The podcast under the stairs. Void Diary Entry Number Twenty Five. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? I don't know if these messages are getting through or not, but this is Duncan McLeish from the podcast Under the Stairs. The last time I spoke to you, things were looking a bit grim. The druids have found a way to hack into my signals at the start of these shows, and as such, I was getting concerned that maybe you might not know what was real and what was not, but good news happened this week. I managed to get in contact with someone that works within central intelligence within the United States government. They've been monitoring the podcast for some time now and, and are very much aware of my predicament. And they seem to have a theory about how they might be able to block any signals that are coming through from the druids and hopefully maybe even get me home. It's a long shot, but... I have to hold on to that hope. End of message. You're listening to Druid FM on 192 BC. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs, this is episode number 64, I'm your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. Episode number 64 continues our look at the top 10 horror performances by Christopher Lee versus the top 10 horror performances by Vincent Price as selected by the podcast Under the Stairs. We are at number 6 in our countdown now, um, I'll be joined later on by a very special guest who is kind of like horror podcast royalty, she is been uh, the most requested and the most featured guest on this show since its inception back in 2013 is of course Jamie Jenkins and she will be joining me later on to discuss To the Devil a Daughter from 1976 starring Christopher Lee and The Fly from 1958 starring Vincent Price so two fantastic movies coming up that I can't wait to talk about but you're just going to have to wait a little while longer as I fill you up with uh, updates to what is happening uh, with the podcast under the stairs. So um, I want to first thank everyone thus far that I've sent in a message. I've been overwhelmed by the response to that. And um, yeah, it's great to hear from some of our listeners and finally put a voice to the the. the profile picture that I've seen on the Facebook page um, and the messages have been brilliant and to my horror podcast fraternity who have left me some pretty fantastic, very funny messages um, that I've really enjoyed. I can't wait to play them on the upcoming show. Um, Also, there is still plenty of time for you to send your message in. If you want to record an audio message to be featured on this show uh, for our two-year anniversary show, which is coming up at the end of the month, be dropping on the 31st of August, then 
it's very easy to do. If you've got a mobile device, you can record a small uh, audio clip there and email it into podcastunderthestairs at gmail.com or send them through Facebook. I've been receiving quite a few through Facebook and that's a lot easier than I thought it would be. So if it's easier for you to do that, just send them through there. And like I say, I will play them on the show and I'm really looking forward to um, actually celebrating that show with my listeners um, out there. It's, it's quite... It's quite humbling to think that this show is almost two years old, um, considering where we started. Uh, But I'll get all sentimental and smushy and all that shit um, on that show. Um, But we are running a couple of polls at the moment as well on the Facebook page. So by the time this show goes out, we will have finished our poll looking at um, what movies should be discussed on that show. And resoundingly, everyone chose Demons. And we're currently, the poll that's out, probably closed... Um, about a day after the show launches uh, is what special guest that has been on this show before should join me and it's kind of close at the moment I think Johnny Krug's just winning it but the Baz is right behind him so that poll will close at the end of Tuesday uh, so if you've heard this on Tuesday morning you've still got time to put your your vote in there um, there are plenty of other hosts there listed as well so plenty of time to vote for your your favourite guest co-host um, for podcasts under the stairs and they will feature on that show as well now, I mentioned the bars, and I would be remiss um, if I didn't mention that you're once again blessed with two podcasts under the stairs this week. The second one will come out on Thursday, and it's Baz v Horror number 19, where Baz continues his look at the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. We're discussing parts four through six on that show. Some of the, and I'm not just saying this, hands down some of the funniest stuff that I've ever recorded with a Baz. Uh, there's one particular conversation, I believe it's in part four, and relates to a dog, I think you all know where I'm going with this, where Baz had, I had to actually stop the show, I had tears pouring down the side of my face, uh, tears of laughter, he was on fine form, so I hope you enjoy that show. It'll be coming Thursday. Um, then the following Monday, I will be joined by another very special guest, Mr. Doug Tilly from No Budget Nightmares and Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast will be joining me to discuss The Hound of the Baskervilles from 1959 for Christopher Lee and The Pit and the Pendulum from 1961 starring Vincent Price. So um, we're going to continue that and those shows are going to run right up um, to the end of September where we kick off Baz v Halloween. So with all that info dump right at the very start, cramming your minds full of podcasts under the stairs at non Um, it's probably a good chance for me to take a short break grab a coffee and when I return after these promos and the intro music for the Christopher Lee versus Vincent Price segment I'll be joined by Jamie Jenkins as we um, not only introduce the host but uh, find out about some exciting news that has happened to her very recently with regards to being formally published in a book and the details of where you can check out that book and how to buy it so we're going to be right back to discuss that Right after this. Flesh Like Smoke is the toothsome new shapeshifter anthology from April Moon Books. 
Curated and edited by Brian M. Sammons with illustrations by Neil Baker, Flesh Like Smoke is a collection of 16 tales of visceral horror from today's most talented authors. Some of these tortured souls lash out against their cursed existence, while others relish the taste of animalistic power. Ranging from gut-wrenching terror to heart-rending pathos, Flesh Like Smoke will leave you salivating for more with every turn of the page. Flesh Like Smoke is available in paperback and ebook format from Amazon.com and AprilMoonBooks.com, as well as other online purveyors of fine literature. Hurry to sink your claws into a copy before the next full moon. May I have your attention, please? Mr. Harker, I'm glad that you've arrived safely. I am Dracula, and I welcome you to my house. Ready to give the people what they want. Sensation, horror, shock. Then tell us where Makata is. The fear causes tremendous tensions in the body. If you can't relieve those tensions, why can't they become strong enough to kill you? They will be destroyed. Splendid. This must be my malaria. And now, for our more dreadful sacrifice. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not panic, but scream! Scream for your lives! I intended a peaceful occupation, but you have made that impossible. You suspect uh, foul play? It's almost time to lock up the house. Then your party will really begin. I wonder how it'll end. I will flog every person in this village. You are about to enter hell. You will warn the crew that if any one of them lets slip what really happened to the Armada, I will personally cut out his tongue. Salt and mercury, effective against the dark forces. They will protect you and Simon. We can save him. The mark of Satan is upon them. Mr. Holmes, I appreciate the fact that you are here to help me. Nevertheless, I would remind you that you are also a guest in my house. Welcome, fool. You have come of your own free will to the appointed place. Okay, no. The pit! And the pen. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. And welcome back. So, you've just heard the opening music for another Christopher Lee versus Vincent Price. This one's going to be a pretty interesting one because these two movies are personal favourites um, of mine, but not just personal favourites in that, you know, I think that these are the, the best the actors I've done. I think both movies are quite flawed as well. Um, so this is going to be quite interesting when it comes to the end as to who will walk away victorious with the points. Because, like I say, I think both movies have negative aspects about them. Um, in order to do this this conversation on The Fly from 1958 and To the Devil a Daughter from 1976, um, this tricky conversation requires someone that is trustworthy, intelligent, 
articulate. I don't know, someone that's maybe published now. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, someone with more podcasts than than I've had hot dinners this week is, of course, the wonderful, fantabulous Jamie Jenkins. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. And you are talking about me. In the beginning, I, you lost me with the, with the trustworthy and the, and the intelligent. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, who's he talking about? Um, <laughs> uh, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, as soon as I found out that you were doing this series, I definitely wanted to be a part of it um, for obvious reasons. And Christopher Lee is a huge favorite, Vincent Price is a huge favorite, and and what better way to celebrate the two of them? And then I jumped onto this selection um, mainly for um, the fly, which yeah. you know uh, we've just we've had our discussions about the fly before, but the newer one and the old one came up. So, and then of course there was the remake round table. So, you know, it, it has come up. So you know, I love this movie. Yeah. In fact, uh, the, 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 the kind of really cool thing about this is that we discussed the fly on the remakes round table, but we also discussed it in the top 10 last year, top 10 mm-hmm. best and worst horror remakes. And you were on that show, but it occurred to me this morning, Jamie, that this is the third year third consecutive year that the podcast Under the Stairs has done a top 10 series and you are the only guest that has been on all three. Is that are you serious? Yep you're the How only guest. How do you do a series of 10 shows and I'm the only one to repeat I mean three times. How do you yep, do that? Three times. The first year you joined myself and Graham to discuss Night of the Demon. That's right I remember. I just watched that the other day by the way. Yeah, it's a Not that long film. ago. Yeah, so you joined me and Graham for that, and then last year you you jumped on to do the the fly um, and the blob. Actually, if memory. I remember that. Yeah. So so you know we, we we've done those episodes as well. So uh, and then you've returned again. So it would not be it's official now. It's very much like how in my country to to kick off like a big sporting event or launch a new ship. Someone from royalty has to be there to smash a bottle of champagne over something to christen this ship. Uh, the the top 10 series of the podcast Under the Stairs cannot exist without Jamie Jenkins being on one. And that's law now. Well, I'm that's stuff. sweet for two reasons. One, that guarantee, that already guarantees me a spot on next year's series, whatever it is. <laughs> and also, that means I get to smash a bottle of champagne over something. Of course, yeah. Everyone wants. To, uh, everyone wants to do that. Everyone wants to do that. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, and I think as it stands just now, you are currently once again the most returned guest to the podcast under the stage. You've got more guest appearances than any other guest that I have. Uh, I've had on this show, which is pretty fantastic as well. Well, I am honoured. I, I am truly honoured to hold that position because it's one of my favourite places to be. That's why I keep coming back. Yeah, it's always awesome having you here. And as I alluded to at the start there, some pretty big news dropped in the last week for you. Uh, would you like to share the big news with the listeners? I would love to. I'm really... This is very exciting for me personally. Um, I am... Yeah, I just... Uh, yeah, I can't even... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Words are hard. I... Which is ironic considering what I'm about to say. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> I have just recently been published for the first time, uh, a short story that I wrote. Th- this particular one I co-wrote with Brian has been released in an anthology called 
The Lonely and Curious Country, which is an anthology of mythos stories, of Lovecraftian mythos stories, from Ulthar Press. And it's not the first story that I've had accepted, because there was a story that was accepted that I wrote about a year ago. That book just hasn't come out yet, because, yeah. you know, things can be really slow in the publishing world. But this particular press is a very small press, and they busted their asses to get this book out before the Necronomicon convention. I think it was for Necronomicon. Well, before a convention this month, they wanted to get it out because there there's an H.P. Lovecraft convention. They wanted to get it out in time to be able to have it at their booth, you know, available for sale at the convention. So they just busted their asses to get this book out. And that's what I love about small presses is they they really work hard. And so this is a collection of stories. Like I said, ours in the story in the book is called Afterbirth. And I, I really dig this story. This is um, Brian and I came together and wrote a little story that it's kind of a period piece. Takes place in the 40s, and uh, it's all about. Uh, I don't want to give away too much, but it's all about um, how things can go horribly wrong when you're attempting to get rid of a pregnancy you don't want in the 1940s. So um, <laughs> I. Uh, I recommend everyone check this out, not just for our story, but I know most of the authors that have stories in this book, and all of the ones that I know are really good. They are mythos authors who constantly keep popping up, and that's because they write quality stuff. They always turn in good stories, and many of them appear in Brian's books um, that he edits, and there's a reason for that. It's because they're really good. So I haven't yet read the other stories in the book because we haven't gotten our copies yet, but I can just about guarantee that it's going to be solid, and I'm really excited about it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just um, it's a little thing for me. No big deal for Brian because he's published a lot, but I really love the fact that we got to come together and do this one. So that's it. That's it's fantastic. So I'm absolutely so like over the moon and proud of you to do that. Thank I you. mean that's that's huge. Um, and pe- people can I mean the book's for sale now, so people can go it and is. buy that. Uh, yeah, is that can, like on Amazon and stuff? Yeah, you can find it on Amazon. It's um, again, it's called the, the Lonely and Curious Country, and uh, you may be able to pick it up if you go to the Ulthar Press website but um the easiest thing is just to go to amazon it's available in paperback there i don't know if they're going to be releasing an Mm e-form but um i believe that currently the only way to get it is in paperback but um yeah go to amazon the easiest way to do it and i yeah i'm just it's it's an exciting thing yeah, it really is. I'll include the, the link to where people can buy it in the show notes for this show. Also, Jamie, um, just to put you on the spot again, because I like putting you on the spot, because uh, I know that that's when you're at your best, when you're put on the spot. And um, <laughs> you do a multitude of podcasts. Um, can you let people know where they can find them? Well, let me see if I can, <laughs> let me see if I can remember. <laughs> um, no, um... Of course, there's Devour the Podcast. We've been on a bit of a hiatus lately, but you can always check out our previous shows, and we should be coming back sometime soon. And that's available at Legion Podcasts 
And um, then there's Evil Episodes, which is the show that we do about horror television. And that one is available at Horrorphilia. I think we can also get that one at Legion. Yeah, we and, show, yeah. Um, then at Horrorphilia, again, so basically over these two networks, you can find me on <laughs> Horrorphilia.com and you can find me at LegionPodcast.com. Uh, another one you can find at Horrorphilia is The Skeleton Crew. Uh, where we pretty much just talk about whatever. We just went through um, our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective. And then, of course, there's Liking It, the oh-so-infrequent werewolf-themed show <laughs> that I don't even know if I've had a new episode since the last time I was on this show. Oh, I think I you may know. have. You may, you may have, actually. I think you may have dropped one. With... I hope. <laughs> Maybe you haven't. No, Wolf, sorry, Wolf. You did Wolf. And an episode after you, you, you definitely have done one since the last time you were on the show. Uh, okay, well, good. Then for people who haven't heard me since then, then <laughs> there is one. Go check it out. Um, there is, there was supposed to be one coming, <laughs> but we had some technical difficulties, and I'm gonna have to re-record a segment of that. But you know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> uh, soon there will be a new one. I am going to have a new show coming uh, the first episode is already done and it's should be dropping sometime soon at horrorphilia and it's called the it's called dark regions radio and this is specifically uh, this is a literary podcast and it is specifically uh, dealing with books that are coming out from dark regions press and we do an interview and also I do a reading from uh, on each episode. So the first episode that will be coming out soon, hopefully in the coming month that's already done, we talked to Joe R. Lansdale, and uh, who wrote uh, horror fans will know him movie-wise from Bubba Hotep, and, or, which was based on his story. And then um, most recently, Cold in July, which was adapted by Mickle, which you and I are you know, we love him. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you you and Bo uh, reviewed that movie with me for my second year anniversary. I think we just gushed over that film for about you, an well, hour. Because it's excellent. <laughs> it's um, amazing. Uh, but so, yeah, so I was really excited to get to talk to Joe R. Lansdale. And then I read his story, The Junkyard. So, um, and Brian does that show with me. Because Brian is the weird fiction weird fiction editor over at Dark Regions Press. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that will be coming out, and that's new and and very exciting. Fantastic, fantastic! So people should go out and check them. As always, I will post the show links to all of Jamie's shows in the podcast notes. We're going to take our first break of the show. Uh, you're going to hear the trailer for our first movie that we're going to be discussing, which is in the Christopher Lee side of things we're going to be discussing to the devil a daughter from 1976 the trailer and some promos coming up first and we'll be right back after this do you like movie reviews that are insightful thought-provoking and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities then you've got the wrong Show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. 
visit www.krugernation.com. The evil power of black magic has fascinated millions of moviegoers. In 1967, Rosemary's Baby. In 1974, The Exorcist. And now, a motion picture that probes further into the mysteries of the occult that any has dared before. 98% of so-called Satanists are nothing but pathetic freaks who get their kicks out of dancing naked in freezing churchyards. I have a feeling I'm dealing with that other 2%. Richard Widmark challenges Christopher Lee for the soul of a girl named Catherine in the terrifying film of Dennis Wheatley's sensational bestseller, To the Devil, a Daughter. Te adoro et te invoco. They've got Catherine. And we've got to get her back before it's too late. This ceremony has been performed. I shall destroy you, John Bernie. The demons hate you, Rainer. They're waiting for you. Catherine. Catherine. You are warned. The full shock, the full satanic horror, is yet to be revealed. It's a me! Don't! Welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for this first movie review. We are discussing To the Devil, A Daughter from 1976. One of the final productions uh, by Hammer Horror before they disappeared for several decades. Um, This one was directed by Peter Sykes. Um, The movie obviously stars uh, Christopher Lee, but we've got Richard Weinmark, Honor Blackman, uh, Denham, Elliot, uh, Natasha Kinski uh, is in this movie a very young Natasha actually um, and other folks there's other folks in this we'll just skip past all that um, <laughs> the synopsis for this is an American occult novelist battles to save the soul of a young girl from a group of Satanists led by an excommunicated priest who plan on using her as a representative of the devil on earth. Now, for those in the know and that have been around listening to the podcast under the stairs since the very start, they will know that I've already covered this movie. This featured in the top 10 British horror movies of all time, as selected by myself and Graham. We were both big fans of this movie. And one of the main reasons we're huge fans of the movie is Christopher Lee. We both love Christopher Lee anyway, but his specific performance in this one is is what kind of is what really makes the, the movie in my eyes stand out that little bit more. Um, so basically, we are to kind of flesh out that synopsis. Uh, Christopher Lee is an excommunicated priest, um, and he has an order. Like um, he's started up his own kind of realm of the church, and um, uh, Natasha Kinski is there as one of his. 
she's one of the not quite nuns but she's kind of like like a young nun and she's sent back uh, to to London uh, to see her father and then we get enthralled in this mysterious kind of plot of like the Satanists who are trying to get her back because she needs to be at a certain place at a certain time for some ritual to come true um, and we have this like American occult novelist who's basically he's the one that is deciphering what is happening to the audience ourselves because a lot of it's because it, this is based on a, a Dennis Wheatley novel like um, uh, The Devil Rides Out which was the previous adaptation of one of his novels for Hammer um, and, and the superior film there's there's no question there but the, the, the funny part about those movies is that um, Dennis Wheatley was a very close friend of Christopher Lee and Christopher Lee was responsible for Hammer adapting both these movies and he was appalled when he saw this movie. He's <laughs> like, well, you've, you've ruined my book. Um, he didn't like it. And uh, I I have went on record many times to say I don't like the ending of this. But what I love about it, though, is I love that the idea of the, the, the kind of Satanists in this in this movie as being led by Christopher Lee who is not evil <laughs> you know he's just he has his beliefs and his beliefs are very different from everyone else's beliefs and he's he's quite resolute in his beliefs and that's what makes him just something better than your standard villain uh, the, the kind of weight of the performance very you know very much in keeping with how Christopher Lee plays these roles and it's in stark contrast to the character he plays in the de to uh, the devil rides out which is he is against the satanists in that movie and he's a satanist in this movie um but yeah i i, I really love this movie it's it got a bit of a controversial reputation shall we say and that uh, Kinski is undressed in this movie and she was I think she was 14 or 15 when this movie was shot um, which obviously is not right that shouldn't have happened but um, it did happen surprise surprise and yeah there was a bit of a reputation that was straddled onto this movie this isn't the first time you've seen this though Jamie is it you, you will have seen this movie before I had seen it before, but it's been a very long time to the point where I really remembered nothing about it. I didn't, I remembered nothing. And so I may as well have not seen it before, which was one reason I was really excited to <laughs> yeah. watch it you, again. You watched it a couple of days ago. Coming back to, um, I mean, did you, did you have, like, because you're saying that obviously you were in a position where you couldn't remember much about it. Could you remember whether or not you liked it before you sat down to no, watch it again? No, I, nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. I got. I had no impression. I assumed that I did, yeah. uh, just because, uh, you know, there's Christopher Lee and then it's Hammer and, it, you know, I mean, and it's Satan. I mean, they're just yeah. <laughs> everything about it would lead me to believe that. Oh, I obviously would love this movie, and so, you know, I expected that I did, but I really had no. No, I'm actually while I was watching it, I'm kind of wondering, have I seen this before? Because I really <laughs> remembered nothing. So it's possible that I was just faking myself out and I hadn't even seen it. That's how fresh it was. I mean, just so basically, I guess it, you could just say it was a first time watch because I have no recollection yeah. of, of having seen it, although I was certain that I had. So, you know, um, you can just say it's first time watch. 
Yeah, and um, how, how did you get on with the movie then? Did, did you did you enjoy well, it? I have to say, there are there are some things that I have issue with in this film, but there are also some things that I really like, and uh, it, it's it's kind of interesting. I was completely in it the whole time. I in, I was enjoying myself watching it the whole time, but things would pop up, and I would go, "Well, that's just silly." You know, um, and I wasn't that crazy about the end, but oh, the ending's terrible. I, I I'll tell you, it. yeah, uh, but I will tell you, it really made me want to read the book. Yes, because I have a feeling that just from watching this film, I have a feeling that the book is really good, and I think that there were things that they just weren't able to translate properly, uh, you know, on screen. Uh, like that devil baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, what the hell? Um, <laughs> but um, there were things that, that I, I really loved the subject matter. I really loved the basic idea. And Christopher Lee, of course, just as a matter of fact, when the film was over, I said, you know, Christopher Lee elevated that film. Yeah. If he hadn't been in it, I don't think it would have been very good, to be honest. It would have been trashy, yeah. There, there have been movie. so many other. There were so many things that could have dragged it down. That if he, if his presence was absent, then you're right. I think it would have been trashy. It would have just been. But something about just his presence alone just automatically elevates anything. And whenever he was on screen, he just shined. I, I love this. It's kind of interesting that Vincent Price and, and Christopher Lee have been paired here because I kind of love the same thing about both of them. Yeah. And it's that they they both carry themselves with such an aristocratic air. They're so they have great posture and they can be which could make them imposing, but uh, there's just a um there's a confidence about them and then they're so well-spoken that they're kind of on the same level in many ways. And that's why I love them both just because they're, they're, they're magnificent. So him just being there just knocked it up several notches. And of, of course there's Denham Elliott who it took me a moment to remember what, cause I kept, um, as he was, talking i kept picturing him doing something else i kept picture him picturing his character or another character and i'm like god he's really good at being nervous and clumsy and you know what I was like? Yeah. or like like why am i what am i picturing him from and then you know maybe 10 minutes in i was like indiana jones um, yeah. <laughs> because marcus it was, brody marcus brody's on the screen right and it was kind of a similar character in that he was a little Bumbly. I mean, this this character wasn't nearly what his character was in Indiana, but it, um, you know, he does. He has that sort of nervous air uh, about him. Uh, that anyway, he pulls off really well. I think Richard Widmark did a great job. Nastasha, I do like her. Here, she was so young that she kind of reminded me. At one point when we we're watching it, I was like, "Is she Bob's older brother?" Um, you know, Bob from House oh, by yeah. the Cemetery. Oh, we know Bob. We know Bob over in this show. We know him. Ah, oh, fuck you, Bob. But, <laughs> I hate Bob. Shit. So yes, <laughs> I hate Bob as well. 
But the way she was, excuse me, the way she was talking, it was just, oh, and what the, I bet you that. <laughs> and why is it that I have to stay here? And I'm like, oh my god, stop talking. Um, <laughs> but she was cute. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, but there were, and then of course there are things like the some of the imagery was just bordering on silly, like the fact that they're worshiping worshiping a golden Van Dam. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, is it like doing the splits over the upside down cross? <laughs> so it just just cracked me up, um, you know. And then of course I mentioned the baby earlier. Um, there's some weird character stuff when she first gets to um, Woodmark's apartment, and he's just and she's like, "I'm rather hungry," and he's <laughs> like, "Okay, well, you know, sure, chef." I forget his name, but I'll take care of you right now. And then um, you do know how to cook, right? I'm like, wait, she just got to your house. <laughs> and now you're like, get in the kitchen and make me some food. <laughs> so that kind of, and it's a small thing, but that yeah. I, for a second it just kind of jarred me because I was like, well, that was weird. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. It just it didn't flow as well as I think it should have or I think it could have. I don't. I really don't think it's as good as the story probably is yeah the story's excellent actually i'm a big fan of uh, of dennis wheatley's um, writing i've read a lot of that when i was when i was a bit younger um primarily because like my, I've, my one of my all-time favorite hammer movies is the devil rides out and it is so closely um adapted from the novel i mean like so much to the point that the story is like all the beats of the the novel are in the movie um that I think there's a reason that this one didn't perform very well at all and it was one of the last ones that Hammer put out just because they they weren't making the money that they should have on the films and all pretty much sank the studio. But um, this caused extreme frictions between uh, Dennis Wheatley and uh, Hammer, where basically said, no, um, he kind of washed his hands of the project and then went as far as to say that he would never let Hammer adapt any of his novels ever again. And the ending was fraught with things. I think the ending was changed a few times. Um, why someone felt that the the acceptable ending for this movie would be, we'll throw a bit of flint at Christopher Lee's head, he'll disappear, cut to credits. I, I don't... I, <laughs> I don't, I don't quite get that, no. you know. It's, it's, it's real, but then it has that kind of, that kind of classic hammer finish in that something happens, and then we don't get a, and then the characters. It's always like credits straight away. Roll the credits. Can they it just, it the was door? bam, just bam. Yeah. And it's, um, it feels, it feels rushed, uh, and it doesn't feel cohesive, and it doesn't really work within the story. And um, I think I've, I've seen interviews as well. I've got the the, the Hammer box set, and uh, there's interviews with even Christopher Lee saying, you know, I don't know why we did that ending. I really, I really dislike the ending, but he, he liked his performance. And I think that's like it's like you were saying about how um, both himself and Price, <clears throat> regardless how schlocky the project was or whatever they would always give you a hundred percent of the performance you they would they would they would do the role to the best of their ability to the max and that's what elevates a movie like this um up those ladders and and, and creates like another classic vincent lee 
uh, Vincent Lee. That's me combining them. <laughs> Another classic Christopher Lee performance. That would be amazing. Uh, Vince, imagine Vincent Lee. Uh, oh, yes. I mean, those two voices wouldn't work. They'd have to. They'd be mid-range because one of them's so high-pitched, <laughs> high-talking. The other one's so deep. Uh, they would meet in the middle. It would be a weird kind of. It'd be like the fly, which we're about to talk about. Imagine if that yeah. happened. Imagine if one of them had stepped in while the other one was getting transported. There you go. See, that would then you would have probably the perfect actor. I think you would. You would. Yeah, <laughs> Who could elevate anything? <laughs> but yeah. So I, I mean. Uh, for for my my idea on this one is that like I say it is one of the reasons it landed on this list is because I think it's Christopher Lee that makes this movie interesting. Um, it, you know he delivers a really a really a really interesting performance overall though because like I say I I don't necessarily very much like if you watch The Wicker Man and you you see his performance there. Is he the bad guy? I don't know if he is. Is he the bad guy in this movie? Well, probably. Probably is the bad guy, but... You know, he's he's only following the scriptures. He's found a part of the, the, the Bible which he is focusing on and building a new religion off. So if that's the case, does that mean that people that follow the Bible are evil? You know, there's there's those sort of things that come Some away from... Some of them, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some would say most of them. Um, no, I, that's a lot. I'm only joking. Or maybe I'm not. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it's, it's interesting that I think he lends that kind of the feel of authenticity to a role which could be very castaway, could be played so, you know, twirly moustached and, and he doesn't do that. He plays, you know, at times his character is quite menacing, but for the for the most part, he, he appears as a very rational man. He, he has his beliefs and that's what he sticks by. So yeah, I love this movie quite a bit because of that um, Jamie is there anything else you want to say about this movie before we take a short break and move on to discuss the fly I do want to say that uh, one of the things that I do love about this film that I didn't mention was that it does go to some very dark places mm-hmm. and um, that is during the birth of these babies and there's a specific way in which these babies have to be born in order for them to, you know, to do the ritual right and all that. And that is really horrifying. Yeah, yeah. It is, it, it's just, it conjured up, while I was watching this, it conjured up all sorts of horrible images in my mind and, and just made my brain go to some really scary places as a woman. And I like it. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. a good thing when when a film can do that. So it's not, com- it's not. I'm not. I don't want it to come off come off as if I think it's completely bad or anything like that because it's not like that. There are things I really, really like, and I think the things that they do well, they do really well. You know, it's just that they kind of muck it up at the end when they're like, "Aha! This is a piece of flint from you know, aha!" You know, but you know, <laughs> but I am not left-handed. You know, <laughs> which is what? Oh, uh, which is? I mean, the end. I mean, that was silly. That was yeah. beyond silly. Um, and it was so sad because there were some really nice moments here. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, other than that, I mean, really, the I think the saving grace of this film was, in fact, Christopher Lee. He was the one thing you cannot touch yeah. about this film. Definitely, definitely. 
Um, right, so that's our first movie down. We now need to talk about our second one. So in the Vincent Price list of movies, we have The Fly from 1958. We're going to take a short break. You're going to hear some promos at the trailer for that movie and we're returning right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. Black Annis Horror Podcast. The podcast that will change your life forever. That is not what, that's not, no. Intense. This is going to be filled with spoilers. So insightful that you will question your place in the universe. I don't like gore. Mind blowing. Repetition of the repetition. Is that a word? That is now a word. Inspiring. It's almost like a little advertisement. Life changing. It's one of two things all the way through. Either predictable or stupid. Black Anna's Horror Podcast. Exclusively available on the Legion Podcast Network. 72 movies that shocked a nation and made an infamous list, the video nasties. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish and you can join me and my co-host Andy Blockley. Hello, hello. As we chat about the 72 films, reviewing them all from the video nasty list live on our podcast. Tell them about it, Andy. Okay, 1982, 20,000 films were seized in London alone because they were too nasty to be watched. Come and find out why. That's right. The show's called Doing the Nasty Podcast. You can find it exclusively on the Horror Philia Network of Podcasts. Come and check us out. Will everyone in the theatre hold on firmly to his seat, please? incredible thing walked beneath that hood. It would be unfair at this time to show you any more of what went on in that laboratory where a man actually dared to play God. So fantastic words can't begin to describe it. You must see it with your own eyes to believe it when the fly comes your way. It isn't like any other fly I've ever seen. killed Andre. Please help me. Call the police and... The child can only be murdered. There were no mistresses. I had no lovers. Why did you kill him? God, don't let it get out. Inspector. Inspector, it's in the garden. Come quickly. As God is my witness, I saw the thing. It's unbelievable. I shall never forget that scream as long as I live. The fly is on its way. Watch out for it. It's far beyond anything your mind could ever conceive.
and welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for their second and final movie review of this episode. We're discussing The Fly from 1958, directed by Kurt Newman. The movie stars David Hedison, Patricia Owens, Vincent Price, Herbert Marshall, Catherine Freeman, Betty Lou Greeson and uh, Charles Herbert. The synopsis for this movie, a scientist has a horrific accident. Well, is it a horrific accident? Maybe he wanted to be a fly. I don't know. I'm just putting that out there. Probably I mean, I didn't. Guess that's, I guess that's a possibility. Yeah, Maybe he's al- he always had dreams of vomiting on his food and sucking yeah. it back up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you put it that way, Jamie, I think he probably didn't. So, yeah, a scientist has a horrific accident when he tries to use his newly invented teleportation device. Um we have spoken about this briefly before about this time last year actually when we were discussing the remake the Cronenberg remake which uh, was my I think it was the second that was number two on my list of greatest horror remakes of all time bested only by the thing in my eyes um, and I, I, I genuinely love that movie I think that movie is a flawless horror movie and uh, we, we touched upon the fact that you know the original uh, is, is more heavily rooted in sci-fi but you know of the time this is horror as well you know and um, we kind of we never really went into too much detail about it suffice to say that we both enjoyed it I think we had Gary Hill on with us as well and Gary had said that you know he, he quite liked the original as well and um, the funny thing is coming back to this movie and watching it again I forgot kind of how ahead of its time it actually is for 1958 um, it deals with quite a lot of very much like I like something like Videodrome because because obviously it's Cronenberg that's why I like it but I think Videodrome's so fascinating in that it really predicts future trends in television how we communicate the internet and internet cafes I mean the the whole thing it's it's so everything and this movie, to an extent, is the same. This movie, not not that it predicts transportation it, devices. This movie predicted Cronenberg's The Fly. Yeah, it predicted exactly <laughs> this one. <laughs> but this one here, there's a lot of what is mentioned in this, which are still issues now. You know, is science progressing too fast? If anything, that's more pertinent today than ever because back in 1958, every couple of years, a giant scientific discovery was made nowadays it's every second month if that technology's moving so quick there's new ideas the the next big thing's happening science has found a cure for this it's found a cure for that Uh, you know everything's constantly moving and on some level i mean there's a great conversation in this where um her name escapes me uh, and she starts talking about just how quick technology is moving for them in 1958 and is this the you know one step too far uh, I've all coming back to watch that that kind of stuck out to me more the sci-fi aspect of this movie was more prevalent to me because it's not really a scary movie now was then but it's, uh, maybe the end sequence actually the end sequence is pretty terrifying um, but I just thought watching it back I thought you know this, this movie was you know they were really doing something just that just that little bit ahead of what of what was expected you know what the sort of movies the kind of B movie sci-fi movies you were getting up to this point didn't really 
go as far as this to talk about science. It was more like a meteor's crashed. Now we have giant bugs. And, you know, this one goes. This one goes like it goes more in depth to do with the the idea of you know morality, technology, science. And, and I thought that you know I thought that was fascinating. And that's before I even start talking about what actually happens in this movie, which is yeah, a scientist who is obsessed where this transportation device unfortunately gets melded with a fly um, and then all manner of horrible things start happening after that. And I thought that it's like, it's it's like, the, once again, like the previous movie, this movie is, could very well be a schlocky B-movie creature feature sort of thing if you didn't have the weight of that in the background. Um I think Vincent Price is brilliant in this one. He's in a, a much lesser role than the other movies we've talked about starring Price. Um, so he doesn't maybe get the full scope to 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 knock out the kind of the the kind of stellar A A plus um, Vincent Price performances that we have already seen in this top ten list. But I think you know he adds that once again, like very very much like Christopher Lee in the previous movie, he adds that level of authenticity to the movie it brings a, an air of credibility into the performance which makes it feel you know just that that higher up it kind of raises the movie for me um but yeah very i was actually incredibly surprised coming back to this movie how well i think it's held up and um because like to me once you've watched the cronenberg one it, you've kind of seen the definitive version of this movie. And what I like about going back to see the 58 version is that all the groundworks for what Cronenberg does is in this movie. Cronenberg just does what he does best over the top of it and changes it and makes it really unsettling. And this, you know, the original, he is the fly. And in Cronenberg's one, we get to see the decay into the fly, which is a very much a Cronenbergian sort of way of filming things is that decay of flesh um, and this one it's, it's a lot more immediate and um, and like I say that end sequence like you see when you, you've got help me help me <laughs> that is that's fucking terrifying like, I mean, it, no, it, it is it really, there's yeah. a reason that that's an iconic scene and yeah, uh, brilliant brilliant way to, to you know it's a, a complete standout sequence for the movie and is and you know, yeah, I, I, I can't say enough good things about this movie, Jamie. What about yourself? Um, well, I think it's interesting that you brought up that you know how the, the science fiction aspect of this and how you know, and for back then it was horror. I mean, because you know, I'm always saying that you can always tell a lot about a society by what frightens that society, that's why I think horror is such an important genre. That's why I think that it has much more to say than people who don't like horror, don't like to give it credit. But if you pay attention, then I think really that our current horror films tell you more about us than anything else. And I think that that's a perfect example of a nice slice of the 50s is that back then, science fiction and horror were melded they were one and it's because that's what was frightening at the time I and mean, there was so much new stuff happening and if you were a lay person you know it was it made no sense you know and it was just like oh every you know spacemen and and shiny things and you know <laughs> flashing lights and noises and that's how they were portrayed in films you know is every if it if it 
the lights flash and it makes whoop noises, then obviously something scientific is going on. So, uh, but back then that's what was frightening. So I think that this is a brilliant example of that. And then you, you talked about the commentary that was made and she in Helene, the character made that, which I thought was a brilliant conversation where she was talking about all the, all the advances that were happening at the time and it was so frightening and are they doing too much? And then almost immediately in a couple scenes later, we get the commentary, just a very small one. It's very subtle, but she makes the statement, I want you to do no more animal testing ever. Yeah. So it becomes a moral issue in that respect as well. We have the, the Dandelo, the cat, which it doesn't, he doesn't get treated as horribly as the baboon in Cronenberg's The Fly, but it is still a heartbreaking moment yes. when the family pet is put into this machine and then disappears only to never reappear in the disintegrator reintegrator, which I think if I were him, I would have named it something better. Maybe catchier. But, you know. Um, but then, to me, it's a really horrifying moment when you hear the cat meowing in space. And the cat's not there. But you can hear it sort of a, a mournful yowl. And, uh, God, it just breaks my heart. You know, of course, having 57 cats. <laughs> I'm sorry, 18 cats, or however many cats I have. It, um, <laughs> it, I clearly, I, I love them, and I love all animals. And so that touches me on a personal level. But we get sort of a, a little commentary there, you know, about... And then, of course, we spend the majority of the film with her trying to catch this fly, uh, this fly with the white head and the strange arm. You know, she has her little boy trying to catch the fly, and mm -hmm. she's trying to catch the fly, and... And of course, we find out why. Um, it's I really think this film is so good. And even though I firmly believe that the Cronenberg version, which by the time Cronenberg got a hold of it, he just flat turned it into body horror, which is what yeah. he does. I mean, it, mm -hmm. and that is a perfect example of what he does. And so it goes, it leans away from science fiction and into body horror, and then you're watching the disintegration, like you mentioned earlier. And I think it's a superior film. However, I don't think that that detracts from how good this film really is, because it's a lot deeper than I think people want to recall it being. I, I think whenever you talk to people who haven't seen it in a while, they're like, oh yeah, it's a fly guy with a fly head and a guy with a fly arm, you know, and you know, he turns into a fly man, you know. Then there's that whole spider web thing at the end. Um, but I think people forget <laughs> exactly how smart this film is and, and exactly how engaging it is. And, for God's sake, in the first minute of the film, when we walk into the, the like where the press is, the hydraulic press, there is it is bloody. I mean, right away there is just bright red blood. I mean, my, and it's pretty. This movie is so pretty. The mm -hmm. the colors are just I I am crazy about. It. I was watching a Blu-ray of this, and it is gorgeous. Um, but anyway, that bright red blood, and there's a lot of it. You only get a brief glimpse of it, but if you're paying attention, it sticks out. 
And that's how we start the film. Yeah. Finding out that this woman has killed her husband with an with a hydraulic press. And then it goes into detail telling us it was set to zero, which means it's metal on metal, which means there was never an attempt to, <laughs> you know, nothing was supposed to survive this. It was going to yeah. smash it into nothing. And, uh, you know, I like that. I like the, the, I like what that conjures. And then of course it unfolds. I love the way this film unfolds versus the way the Cronenberg film unfolds. I think it's very smart the way this one gives us heavy on the Vincent Price in the beginning, uh, his character of Francois, because he doesn't play so heavily in the telling of the actual fly story because he's not always around during that. But in the beginning, we get a lot of Vincent Price, and I think that was really smart. That was a very smart thing for him to do uh, because, I mean, you look at this and you could think, well, should he not be playing the fly? Yeah. You know, if it's called The Fly, why don't they have Vincent Price playing The Fly? But I think it's because they knew what they were doing. And I think that, that what they did here was very smart. Also, who wants to see a movie with Vincent Price where he's his head is a fly most of the time? I yeah. mean, that's just not, that's not that interesting. And, of course, he doesn't speak. So, anyway, uh, now that I'm done gushing about all of that... Um, you do have the moments, I mean, if you compare, say, the current version to, and I know that's not what this is about, but I can't, it's kind of hard not yeah. to, but, you know, where it's just completely horrific. And then you look at the original version where it's a dude with a fly head. Yeah. Um, and, of course, he has that drapey thing. <laughs> he keeps wearing that drapey thing, trying to hide it, uh, which is just, that, it, it's kind of funny. Um, to me, it's not, it, it's sort of, takes you out of the scary but imagine yourself 60 years ago and i think that would have been completely just what you know i mean just yeah because back then you're in the mindset this could happen mm -hmm. you know look what we're doing this is a possibility this is some scary shit so and then of course um we do the iconic scene that you already referred to at the end which to me i think truly is terrifying and yeah, yeah. heartbreaking and really really heartbreaking and that's one thing that i also love about this film is that it it the the romance that you see between helene and her husband are it it's so tender they're so deeply in love and you know you can look at it and go well that's really corny Except I happen to know for a fact that there are relationships out there who are really like that. And it's not corny at all. It's very, there are, you know, when you really, really love someone, that's how it really is. And so it's makes it even that much worse to, to watch. Actually, it makes me sad. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, how many shows of yours have I cried on? <laughs> Um, it's that's just another aspect of this film that makes it that much more horrifying, though, because it's not like some random unmarried family, you know, family-less science guy who gets trapped in his own machine and something horrible goes wrong. And in the end, you know, his colleagues are the only one who notices that he's missing. This is, it's, it's you have simultaneously running throughout this family bit of drama here. They already don't get to spend that much time with him, 
But it's clear that when they do get to spend time with him, they cherish it. And then, you know, once we get the change, it's just, I don't know. Personally, it it just, it just about kills me. What's <laughs> that? Yeah. I think it's incredibly sad. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. that. Definitely. I, I, I think, yeah, I think in terms of the, the, the price performance, I think it is genius that they, they utilise him heavily at the beginning of the movie and then obviously feed him out for a while to bring him back later on because had Vincent Price been in this movie more your attention would have been distracted he's the biggest name in this movie you know your attention would be very much at what's Vincent Price doing and then the question would arise why is Vincent Price not playing the fly so I think that's that's very clever filmmaking because in 58 you know Vincent Price is—he's a household name. He's you know easily recognisable, um, not only for the the fact that he's Vincent Price, but obviously the voice as well. So yeah, I think that's I think that's very clever filmmaking. And yeah, I think it's I, I think it's a surprisingly when I think of the kind of the sci-fi horror movies of the 1950s, this is one of my favourites. I think it's one of the ones that was done best. And no, that I think is one of the ones that stands the test of time. Very few films hold up as well as this one does, even with an obvious, oh, this one is wearing a mask, a fly head mask over the top. Even with that, the rest of the movie feels legitimate. So, yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to say about the fly before we take a, a short break and then come back to deliberate? I think I probably gushed. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Right, we're going to take a short break. When myself and Jamie returns, we will be picking our favourite performance, our favourite actor of these two movies. Um, this is going to be interesting, and we'll be discussing that right after this. Not getting the coverage of TV horror from the other podcasts out there? Then look no further than Evil Episodes Podcast, where we'll give you the in-depth coverage of all the best and the worst that the small screen has to offer. Oh my god, you're hearing just about the big screen? Listen to the small screen here on Evil Episodes, Mike, Corey, and Jamie. Man, we're going to make things weird for you and just uh, bring to you everything that you don't hear about that you should be watching on TV. Jamie, give us some examples. Uh, well, how about we talk about new stuff like American Horror Story or The Walking Dead or this this season's Sleepy Hollow. Uh, but then not only that, we dig into old stuff like Tales from the Dark Side and Supernatural. Holy moly. That sounds like a fun fucking podcast to me. You bet your sweet ass it does. And Jamie, where's the only podcast where they can hear about all that stuff? Well, it's evil episodes, of course. That's right, so set your DVR to channel 666 and let Evil Episodes give you the in-depth coverage of the stuff that deserves to be, but isn't talked about elsewhere. Evil Episodes is a pod network podcasting network. And welcome back. So, we have discussed two movies. We had a little chat about uh, To the Devil Adopt from 1976. And we've just finished talking about The Fly from 1958. As always, at the end of these these shows, we must give our opinions on who was the better character, who was the better performer. Um, 
I feel this one was slightly unfair because uh, had this been what was the better film, The Fly would easily take this for me. In terms of performance, Christopher Lee has more on-screen time um, than Vincent Price does. And I get the feeling that Christopher Lee gets to, to really flesh out that role more than Vincent Price, who in other roles that we've talked about already really is given free reign to... to to play the huge spectrum of kind of price emotions of that despair, the the hollowness, the darkness, and then the wickedness, we, we don't we don't get that sort of performance, and it's because the film doesn't require that from him. Um, so with no surprise at all, uh, I go with Christopher Lee on this one. What about yourself, Jamie? Where do you come in uh, with, with your 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 performer uh, of these two movies? Well. I was going to say you may be surprised, but I don't know, maybe you won't, <laughs> but uh, for many of the same reasons, mainly uh, just because I feel like Christopher Lee's presence in To the Devil a Daughter is the best thing about this film. Yeah, yeah. And he, everything that is good about this film, except for the end, is directly <laughs> tied to him for the most part. <clears throat> and then... I mean, Vincent Price did an excellent job in The Fly, as always, I and mean, he always does. But I think that the rest of that production was just as good. I mean, like, it was just all around good. Uh, whereas, you know, another actor could have done that, and it still would have been a good film. With To the Devil a Daughter, if any other actor had done it, this film would have been probably really crappy and so i mean i just feel like his presence was necessary and he pulled it off and i loved his portrayal he um you know he's so uh charismatic and just i mean even while he's talking to these women like there's a scene where the woman gives birth um and then he just sort of leans down and he's like now you're going to die or you know <laughs> you'll die now and i was like god damn i'm like you know, you know you can't say thank you for your service or i appreciate your you know what you've done or you know sacrificing yourself none of that it's like you're going to die now but somehow his delivery was comforting <laughs> so yeah. like that's fucking christopher lee right there uh so yeah um uh, to me this one goes to christopher lee fantastic jamie thank you very much for coming back under the stairs to discuss uh, these two movies and this top 10 run. You will be back before the year is out. I will make sure of that. And um, obviously, moving forward, any future top 10s, we have we have christened it on this show that Jamie has to be on to make sure that it is a legitimate top 10 only because she is on it. And that is, that is a rule now. I have chiseled it in the stone while we were talking. That's why I'm slightly out of breath. Um, but yeah, thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for joining me. Just again, just before you go though, if you'd just like to remind the people where they can get your book, what the name of that book is, and the shows that you're on as well. Okay, great. Um, well, the name of the book is The Lonely and Curious Country, and it's available on Amazon in paperback right now. And the name of the story that we have in that book is Afterbirth. So check that out. And as far as podcasts, you can find me on horrorphilia.com and on legionpodcast.com with 
the skeleton crew devour the podcast, liking it, evil episodes, and coming soon, Dark Regions Radio. Also, you can check me out live every Wednesday at 8 o'clock for a direct-to-video connoisseur, where we talk about a lot of action films and stuff. I mean, we're all over the board with that one. (laughs) Thank you again. I'm going to take a very short break. When I come back, I'm closing out the show right after this. midnight enough time for one more story they try to kill us you ungodly warlock (laughs) but we just won't stay dead what's the matter you can't hold your liquor huh the midnight horror show the internet's goriest and raunchiest horror podcast since 2008 now live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at tmhsradio.com. Listen on your mobile device with the TuneIn app. Search TMHS Radio or download us at iTunes, Podomatic, or the TMHS Radio page. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode number 64. We have been reviewing To the Devil, A Daughter and The Fly and Christopher Lee coming back with some much needed points. <laughs> it's safe to say. Uh, maybe this won't be the one-sided kicking that it looked like it was going to be. Who knows? There's some rather interesting choices coming up. Like I said at the start of the show, next week I'm joined by Doug Tilly to discuss The Hound of the Baskervilles from 1959 and The Pit and the Pendulum from 1961. And then the following week after that, I'm joined by Bo Ransdell as we discuss The Horror of Dracula from 1958. And then also The Last Man on Earth from 1964. So we're really starting to get down to the heavy hitters for both actors. There's some huge classic movies still to come up before this uh, series wraps up so I hope you're all still enjoying it thank you very much for the feedback I've been getting for the the work that I've been putting in on this show this one has been a lot of work and a lot of work in the making but um, just hearing the feedback has been fantastic and it makes it feel effortless I know I say that a lot but I genuinely mean it you guys are the best fucking fans out there best listeners best supporters just the best group of people that um, a podcast could be associated with so thank you very much Um, your faith in this show never ceases to amaze me Um, like I also said at the start of the show we'll be returning in a couple of days time with the Baz v Horror 19 the Baz continues look at the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise running through parts 4 to 6 we're almost finished that franchise Um, Baz v Horror 20 will be the final 3 movies which will cover A New Nightmare the remake and Freddy vs Jason which will also tie up our Friday the 13th um, retrospective that we did earlier on in the year so that's that's a lot of fun can't wait to get into those movies uh, I made it no secret there's not a lot of love for me at all once you get past um, the Dream Warriors <laughs> I'm afraid uh, occasionally I'll remark on something I think is pretty cool but out with that I'm not a firm fan of any of the movies that came after but the they keep coming we've got <laughs> I think Baz is enjoying getting a chance to look at movies which he had always heard about 
from classmates and stuff growing up, but I'd never seen. So that's that's always the the great experience is living vicariously through Bazzi's eyes um, as he looks at those movies. Um, also worth noting that, um, like I said at the start of the show, we've been receiving some fantastic messages from you, the listeners and fellow podcasters out there, wishing us all the best on our second year anniversary, which will be coming up at the end of this month on the 31st, August 31st, 2015. The podcast Under the Stairs turns two years old, um, as well as playing those fantastic messages that we've been getting from, from you listeners and uh, friends out there. We will also be doing a review of Demons with a special guest host, which uh, is still to be decided. It's currently polling on the Facebook page. As well as that, I'll be bringing back a segment we did on the previous anniversary show, which is Ask Duncan. And I'll be dis- uh, I'll be setting up a discussion thread on the Facebook page for that very soon. And what you can do is jump over to Facebook and put a question there. The Baz will pose that question to me on the night and I'll answer honestly. I'll try where possible not to look at the questions so you get... Um, an answer which is straight from the hip um, as opposed to pre, uh, pre-rehearsed, pre well thought out um, and well worded which is clearly what all you guys want but you're not getting it uh, you're going to get me stumbling over my words hopefully there'll be no really awkward questions like there was last year from Rachel Shipley along the lines of what's your favourite Arrow release I mean how the fuck do you pick that I don't know um, and it's got even harder since they've been releasing a ton a plethora uh, a smorgasbord, a, a, a full, a full torrent, a tsunami of fantastic releases this year coming out from Arrow, uh, cementing the the fact that they are my favourite label out there. That's, I make no surprise on that. If you follow the Facebook page, you know that I post a lot about Arrow constantly on that page. Um, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to answering your questions coming up on that show. So I think um, all that's left for me to say is uh, pimp the various ways that you can check out this show you can listen to us on Stitcher Smart Radio you can visit our website at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com we are on Twitter at TputzCast we have a Facebook group if you want to go across there and join our Facebook family then it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TputzCast you can leave us feedback or ask questions to the Baz on our email address which is podcastunderthestairs at gmail.com if you still want to include an audio message to be played on the upcoming anniversary show you can email that there or you can um, send it to me embedded in a Facebook message and I'll get it from there all messages are welcome and will be played on the show Um, we are a proud member of Legion Podcast Network you can check out our show there you can check us out on SoundCloud and the links are usually on the Facebook page and on iTunes if you listen to us through iTunes we would appreciate it if you take two seconds to leave us a review if it's five stars for example the more of them we get the higher up the ratings we go and the more chance that more people will stumble on to our weird dysfunctional podcast family Um, thank you all for listening and supporting this show I will be back to you Speak to you in a couple of days with the Baz, but until then, please take care of yourselves. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from the void, signing off.